Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Overpowering Emotions. I'm still in our summer skill building series for emotion regulation. Uh, I just want to review a key point that I've talked about repeatedly in my episodes is that kiddos, they need to learn to cope with their emotions, right? And, and they need to build resilience through the right experiences. And resilience is all about experiences. It's, it's, it's about what's happening in the world around them and their ability to cope with what's happening in the world around them. So today I'm talking about stress inoculation, right? It's through their experiences that kiddos are going to learn to manage the big feelings, whether we're talking about anxiety or anger management, frustration tolerance, all of those kinds of things. It's not about reducing them, getting rid of them, eliminating them. It's about managing those big emotions and including those feelings of discomfort and awkwardness and failure and disappointment. Okay. Kids, they want to stay within their comfort zones. We all do. Right. And, and a lot of kiddos, they want to know that things are going to happen exactly as they expect them to. We usually see big behaviors when they get overwhelmed with the emotions because something didn't happen the way they expected. Whether it's a game that they were playing, they expected to win, they're expecting to do really well on a test, um, expecting their artwork to turn out a certain way, expecting to be able to finish their Lego before their sibling comes and knocks it down, whatever it is, right? If they can't get their way, if they lose, if um, their thing breaks, their toy breaks, right? Something unexpected happens. That's when we see the big emotional reactions. If everything were to go perfectly all the time for them, that usually means we're walking on eggshells to make sure everything's going tickety-boo, going perfectly for them, right? When we do that, though, they're going to have a huge rude awakening when they're adults because the world doesn't go perfectly. People get laid off. There are floods, houses are broken into, right? Like there's things that happen. It's going to be so much harder for them to cope. So I always say to parents, it's going to cost you more tomorrow than it is today. They need to learn failure. The sooner they learn failure, the better. The sooner they have sadness and frustration and disappointment, the better, right? So if we're always trying to soften the blow, it's going to be so much harder for them when they're adults, especially if things don't go their way. And I've had people, I've seen people jump out of their car if somebody cuts them off. It wasn't what they expected. And they just get out and they start seeing people pounding on cars and like, it just gets ridiculous. Okay. They're not going to have any idea of how to cope because they never had the right experiences and the right opportunities to be able to manage and to cope with those things in the first place. And so that's what I want to focus on today. It's setting up the right experiences so that kiddos can learn to cope with their frustration or their disappointment or their worries or whatever else that's going on for them, you know, losing sportsmanship, frustration, tolerance, being able to create that pause and choose another way to respond with the big emotion instead of freaking out or avoiding or whatever those behaviors are. You've heard me talk about this before. When kids avoid things that they don't feel comfortable with, they lose the opportunity to grow and to practice and to develop and to build that resilience. I'm going to say it again, because I know one of the biggest traps that we've fall into as adults is we're allowing kiddos to avoid things. We're always trying to soften the blow. We're always trying to make them feel better. And this is usually the biggest trap that I fall into with the emotion regulation piece. Kids never learn to do it because the parents are always there to do it for them. Right. And so if we're allowing them to avoid things and we're trying to eliminate all those feelings and soften the blow, they're just going to feel more stressed and more anxious. Right. 
or giving in to freakouts. That's just, it's just not going to help them build the skills. What, what skills are being built if you're always in there swooping to the rescue? So I think that's really important. I just first want to talk a little bit about self-esteem, confidence, competence, all of those kinds of things, because a lot of times these big emotions come from kids, you know, and they have these big emotional outbursts. Oftentimes they're demonstrating those things because of a lack of confidence in themselves usually even just confidence in being able to handle the situation. That's usually what like anxiety is, for example. It's my belief that I can't handle it, right? The, the, the situation exceeds whatever resources and coping that I have. And so even the perceived capacity, I don't think that I'm going to be able to do this. I actually just had a family that I was working with this week. You know, they're all excited. They're going for a bike ride and, and they start going for a bike ride. They went to the bike park and other, you know, they started going on the bike park, but other kids showed up. And now the kiddo who was with this family is like, nope, not doing it. I want to get out of here. Big emotional reaction, right? Because now... <gasps> not confident that I can do this. What if I fall down in front of the kids? Couldn't deal with that discomfort of the possibility I might make a mistake in front of other kids, you know? So it's a little bit of that performance anxiety. Now, kiddos have multiple self-esteem. So I'm not saying they have low self-esteem. I think we get so caught up there. Everybody, we all have multiple self-esteems based on different areas, right? They feel competent in different areas. So kiddos might have trouble with learning or reading, for example, but then they might be master gamers, right? They might not say boo at school, right? They wouldn't even like put up their hand. They won't even say their name, but then they transform into the most assertive, confident leader with their siblings, right? Um, I've seen really timid, a lot of my girls actually do I have any boys who horseback ride. No, I think it's all girls. I can't think of any boys that do, but so a lot of my girls, they're so anxious. They don't want to talk, you know, they, they're scared to do anything, but then they're they're so assertive with these big, huge, massive beasts, these big horses, three, 400 pound horses, like we'll push them, get out of the way, stop being bad. Right. Or, or kids will feel incompetent when they're asked to do anything day to day from making their bed to brushing their teeth. And they feel bad because they're always forgetting. I was just with a high school student um, earlier this week who was saying, you know, we were talking about how, how smart he felt. And he's like, I'm either like super brilliant or the dumbest person on the planet, because I can't remember these little basic things. And so then, you know, his self-esteem is definitely impacted. So can't remember the most basic things, but then maybe they know everything there is to know about Marvel, the Marvel universe, or about Titanic or whatever it is, right? When they feel confident with something, they tend to stay in those situations. I'm going to learn more about Marvel. I'm going to talk about Marvel. I'm going to go to Comic-Cons, you know, I'm going to do all of those things and I'm going to avoid reading because that's really hard. I'll read the graphic novels and, and comics, but I'm not going to read, you know, Shakespeare or anything like that. So they start avoiding those other situations that they're not feeling confident. Unfortunately, though, 90% of what kids learn is from what they experience. And so last time I was talking all about you know, the right experiences. And today that's really kind of what I'm focusing on. So if they're not having a variety of experiences, they're going to be impaired. And part of those experiences includes falling down, failing, being rejected socially, humiliating yourself in front of a class. I love Seligman's work, actually. Um, you know, he talks about this 
the um, permissive self-esteem movement that's happening. He really challenges that, um, you know, and, and, and promoting, praising kiddos for non-effort, right? Because we believe it's detrimental to a kiddo's well-being. But he really talks about that children develop a solid self-esteem through effort, through experiencing mastery, through experiencing persistence. And there's a dip when we are looking at, at learning, there's a huge valley a dip of low, I can't do this, of failure. But that's where learning happens. And if we persist, we do experience that mastery. We overcome that frustration and the challenge and boredom. We're meeting expectations through learning and through failure. Through failure, that's what we learn. Video games, kids fail all the time, especially a new game. They're failing 99% of the time, but they persist because they know they're going to learn the secrets and they're going to get better. Practice makes perfect. And I'm going to make it to the next level, next level, next level. Right. And so they're learning through that failure and that hardship because they know they're eventually going to defeat Bowser, whatever it is that they're going to do. Right. So the whole everyone gets a trophy movement that's created a generation of entitled kiddos who aren't valuing the 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 ethics of hard work. And that's what creates true self-esteem. And so I'm often telling parents, don't help your kids. I'll give them a really hard like riddle or a task in my, my office. And I'll tell parents, you are not to say anything, not a hint, no nothing from the peanut gallery, because then they'll say, yeah, but mom helped letting them struggle, letting them figure it out on their own, letting them cut themselves and, you know, like making some mistakes. But when they get to the point that they've done it all by themselves without any help, that feeling is so much better. Yes, I did it. Like, Otherwise, it's like, oh, no big deal. Mom, help me. Right. Both of my girls, they play ringette. And in the early years, everyone got this participation medal. It was so super exciting. If you were last place. Right. And they didn't really, it was like, oh, whatever, like, whatever. We're just skating around the ice. My girls would be like standing in the middle, just licking the ice off their stick, like not paying attention. As they got older, I remember the very first time they didn't get a participation medal and parents were livid, right? Why didn't they get, look at how sad they are. They're so disappointed. You know, they always got medals in the past. Why aren't they getting medals now? It was a big problem. Those girls needed to learn disappointment. They needed to learn hard work, right? And they needed to learn, even if we do hard work, doesn't necessarily mean we're always going to win either. Same thing in life. We might work our butts off, but not get that promotion, for example. So we got it. We, you know, we got, they have to learn through that. Even though I didn't get a medal, I'm not going to just, you know, dog it next time. I'm still always going to put my fourth, my best foot forward, my best effort in. Right. And so as they get older, only the winning teams get a medal. And I remember that first time, right? That like everyone was just parents, especially the girls were upset, but it was usually the parents were, who were really furious, right? Yeah. The girls were sad and disappointed, but it was that, that was a turning point when they, the first time they never got a medal for themselves. Yes. It's heart-wrenching usually more for parents, but then they learned that was, that sort of set the fire in their bellies, right? That's where I see a switch from that half-hearted participation. We're all going to get the same medal anyway. doesn't matter if we're in first place to working their butts off, 
and persisting and putting in more effort and practicing. That's when they started going outside and doing a hundred shots every day, right? Like setting those benchmarks, they were actually engaged and motivated. And it was through that experience, right? Of the kids wanting to develop, wanting to have that engagement, that determination, that resilience. That's so important. Um, I love this story about a flood. I'm probably going to butcher it. Um, there is a bit of a religious undertone. That's not at all what I'm teaching. It has nothing to do with religion at all, but it's just to share an example. Um, so I just want to put that disclaimer out there. So the flood story was essentially, you know, um, there's this little village and there's these flood warnings, imminent flood. And so first there's an evacuation crew, you know, like let's say it's the firefighters who are going through door to door. It was on the news first, but then it became more active when people um, weren't evacuating. Now the fire people are coming through, knocking on doors saying, you need to evacuate now. What help do you need? We're going to help you evacuate. But there's this one little person who's like, nope, I'm not going to evacuate. I'm going to wait for God. God will will save me, right? So didn't take the news evacuation, fire knocking on the door. Nope, God's going to save me. All is good. Fire comes and goes. Now water's starting to seep in, right? And so now they have to get higher into their house, eventually up on the roof. And so people come along in boats. Hey, you got to get out of here. This is your last chance. You know, we are taking the last of the people. Nope, not going to get in your boat. God's going to save me. Now they're on their tippy top roof. A helicopter's coming in. Like you need to get out now. Nope, God's going to save me, right? That was the last chance little person ends up going to heaven and then gets angry with God. Why didn't you save me? Right. I was waiting for you to come in and save me. And God's like, I sent you a news reporter and firemen and people in a boat, even a helicopter to come and save you. What else could have I done? Right. And I love that story. I actually use it in lots of different scenarios. I love analogies and metaphors. But the point here for what I'm talking about today is that person never did anything for themselves because someone has always swooped in to help. They believe somebody else is going to come and help me. Even though they had all these warning signs, right? That they, to help themselves, they were always relying on someone else to swoop in. Someone else is going to do it. And so they sit there helpless, right? Even though there was help over and over and over again, it wasn't on their terms, right? And they just never had the chance to do anything on their own. They never had the chance of, oh, I better do some action here to get it done. And kids are the same. Mom will do it. Or, or you know, one of the dependency traps that I see all the time, go brush your teeth, go brush your teeth, go brush your teeth, go brush your teeth. I tell them 10 times, right? And it's not until I'm screaming at them. Now I get frustrated. That's when they go brush their teeth. It's a common frustration that parents come in to see with me all the time. And I said, we created this dependency trap that, oh, no, mom's still calm. Brush your teeth, brush your teeth, brush your teeth. It's not till mama monster bear voice comes out. Oh, that's my cue to go brush my teeth, right? It's not until that point. Now I know you're serious. Now I'm going to go do it. But we've created this dependency trap. They've never thought for themselves to go and brush them teeth themselves because we're always coming in to remind them. We're always coming in to pack their backpack 
backpack. We're always coming in to reassure them, to make them feel better, right? All of those kinds of things. We're always swooping in. So they're never taking that initiative. How can I figure things out for myself? How can I do this myself, right? So whether it's capitalizing on the opportunities or just taking that initiative in the first place. Um, we went on a trip at the beginning of the summer with my kiddos. And, you know, um, there was this expectation that mom always rechecks the room, even though she says, make sure you got all your stuff. I just know mom's going to recheck the room to make sure we have everything right. And then they think, well, mom always does it. So they really never actually learn to think for themselves, to take care of their stuff because, oh yeah, thanks mom. I left my book on the thing or, oh, thanks for looking under the bed. There's my shirt that got kicked under there. Right. Cause mom always takes care of it because mom is always getting it. Mom's always doing it. But um, I reminded them as I always do, Kate, everyone do one last search. And I'll even go as far as saying, you check the bathroom, you check under the beds, I'll check all the shelves. Right. Um, but guess who was the only one to look around the room for her own stuff, mom. And so when both of my girls left something behind and we were already into the next city, it was very disappointing for them. And I felt bad. I didn't see both of them, but I did see one thing for the other girl. But I'm like, this is a great opportunity to, to be able to learn, right? If it was a big, expensive thing for me, then maybe it's my heartstrings that I'm going to jump in. But it was a perfect learning opportunity, right? But guess what? Guess who started making sure and checking without any reminders from mom at all to start looking around the room? Both of my girls. I never, after that one time of both of them leaving something behind, I never had to ask them to look around the room again, right? So they need to learn. Um, I often talk about helicopter parenting or lawnmower parenting or bulldozer parenting. My new personal favorite that I talk a lot about is curling parenting, where we are, you know, scrubbing that ice perfect so that rock or our children can get exactly to the bullseye, exactly where we want it to be. When we take these roles, we're protecting them, we're deflecting failure, we're ensuring that our kids have a smooth sailing ahead. Doesn't that sound nice? But when we do that, we're just creating kiddo who believe that everything comes easily. Everything always works out. We create entitlement in our children, right? We create kids who expect every reward out there that there is, and that ethics of hard work is lost. And that's a problem. Right. And then it's a big frustration and big emotion regulation when things don't work out and they don't get their way. So unfortunately, when when we're doing those things that we're actually impairing their self-esteem, their self-esteem suffers because they have no coping skills. Right. And they've never had any opportunity to manage stress, to manage those situations. They're always avoiding hard things. I can't do it. It's reaffirming that story, reinforcing that story. I can't do it. They give up as soon as things get hard, even before they try. They already give up because they think it's going to be too hard and they can't do it. And that's what ends up happening. To, um, that's how, when they start creating anxiety disorders, just the belief that I can't handle it. So back in the good old days, you know, there were death traps. Actually, we just went to a park in, in, in our trip. There was a park. It was an old wooden one. And it was awesome because it was almost like an obstacle course one. You know, I used to do a lot of those obstacle course races and, and like mud races and stuff. And, um, I was going through it and it was pretty challenging like to stay on. And there's this one where you have to go from a really high thing, drop down to the monkey bars, 
cross over the monkey bars, and then you have to walk across these round platforms. The minute you step on it, it flips. Um, so it's kind of a death trap. And uh, my oldest daughter, neither of my daughters could do it. My youngest one tried, but gave up. Um, my oldest one tried, but she immediately fell down. She cut like all of the inside of, of, of her leg. It's a death trap, right? There's no way we could see that. But they learned to be safe and they were really challenging themselves. I felt awesome because I'm like, you know, the 40 some year old is the one who can uh, get through this and not the teenagers. It was pretty awesome. Um, but but our playgrounds were death, death traps. You know, there would be a 20, 30 foot drop down to rock and there's no parents around. If we fell, we learned real quick how to be careful. We might break an arm. I know lots of people who broke, you know, collarbones and things like that, but we learn really quick to be careful. And we learn, I can tolerate the pain. Nowadays, playgrounds are all rubber soft and they're about this high off the ground and parents are still there. Oh, be careful. Right. Or, or they're cringing as their kiddos stands on top of like the the one foot slide, right? Or, or we're telling them exactly what's going to happen, what time we're going to be home, who's going to be there, what we're going to be doing. We're always softening the blow, all of those things. Um, we're always letting them push the button, being first in line, always letting them win. When we do that, kids never learn to take risks. They're never learning that I can handle the situation. I can handle the pain. I can handle falling. Um, I can do it on my own. Even if I get lost, I can figure out my way home. If I get high on the playground, I can figure out my way down. They never learn to be careful. They never learn to manage discomfort and uncertainty. They never learn how to manage their stressors and emotions effectively. And when they don't have any of those experiences, it becomes really debilitating. It actually impairs their brain development. So we need to create those opportunities for stress inoculation, putting kiddos in as many novel environments as possible for the greatest amount of growth. We're encouraging them to do something brave, right? And it, it's really more important that just trying it and doing it, it's not about the outcome. It's just trying it in the first place. And then experiencing that they can cope with the challenge, to cope with disappointment, to cope with loss, to cope with failure, to cope with falling down with whatever is coming, anger, frustration, they realize I can manage this. I have the capacity to succeed. Risk takers, I'm always talking about the risk takers advantage. They have a major advantage in life. So exposing to kiddos to opportunities for some risk is certainly helpful. And I'm talking about reasonable risk here, right? That other kids often do, right? Being with people, ordering your own drink at Starbucks, um, walking your dog by yourself. Every one of my girl, well, everyone, two of my girls, at, when they turned eight and when they could, one was during COVID. So after COVID, they flew by themselves to go see grandparents all by themselves, right? I know not all families can do that, but looking for opportunities where they can start doing things and big things on our, on their own. When we went traveling just recently this summer, I had them each responsible for one of our flights there and back. So what they had to figure out where do we check in? Where's security? What gate do we need to get to? What time do we have to do all of that? If we miss a plane, we miss a plane. And in a previous, um, in previous trips, we have missed a couple of trains. Okay. What are we going to do now kiddos? Right. They're going to figure out how we never miss a plane again. Right. Or which trains 
we need to take? How are we going to get there? What time, you know, do we need to be there for the thing that you wanted to do? How long does it take? How, how are we going to get there? So they had to figure all those things out. When I was a kid, literally a map, I had a paper map, actually I had a paper map up until like fairly recently, because I find Google is just not helpful. It does not help me. I'm a paper map girl. Um, but they did, they had Google and they were trying to figure all those things out. And Google's awesome because it told them like which train, where, how to get there, all of those kinds of things. So it's still super easy. I wish I could have just given them, uh, you know, a paper transit map that they had to look at, but, um, you know, learning those things can be really helpful. We need to have our kiddos challenged and not have things go their way perfectly all the time. Missing a plane is actually a fantastic experience because they learn it's not the end of the world. We can get the next one, or maybe it's going to cost a little money. Yeah, it's going to be disappointing, but we figure it out. Let them buy things for themselves. Let them pack their own bags for themselves. Let them ride a quad on their own, hang the Christmas lights on their own, use tools, cook, whatever it is. When our kids, when they're challenged, when they're put in situations to feel those big feelings, and they have the direct experience working through it and seeing I am capable of it. I can handle the situation. And I survived. Even if it went sideways, I survived to live another day. What did I learn for next time? So we can capitalize on daily things that come up, you know, maybe not getting the dinner that you hope for, not being able to hang out with your friends. Maybe they break a toy accidentally. Maybe they fail a test. Challenges are a part of life. So you can capitalize on those challenges already. Rather than swooping in and trying to make them feel better, let's sit with that. That sucks, dude. And then that's it, right? Letting them deal with it, that's part of learning. But we can also optimize teachable moments. Let them try things on their own. Put them in situations on purpose, right? Let them fail on their own. We're not gonna set them up for failure, but let them fail on their own. Let them learn accountability. They have to take accountability for their actions. They have to understand other people's perspectives. They have to see the consequences of their behaviors and what they need to do to fix those things afterwards. I've had kiddos who will pull a fire alarm and then they blame, well, you know, Joey told me to go pull it. Okay, cool, but who pulled it? Now you are accountable to the fire department. So you have to be the one to explain what happened, right? And how are we gonna fix this? Because now those firemen are here and we, they've, we've taken them away from other school or houses or people who actually need them. So how are we gonna, what's the retribution here? Being able to own up to that. Um, we can also create challenges, putting them in those situations on purpose. So maybe telling them, hey, we're going to work on handling your iPad being turned off in the middle of a game and your job is to stay cool. What does that look like? Again, doing some discrimination training that I talked about in previous episodes and then practicing staying cool, having a challenge of the day or maybe a challenge for the week. You know, this is your challenge that you have to do for the week, right? A kiddo who gives up all the time as soon as things are, are, aren't easy anymore, maybe it's giving them a puzzle, a really hard puzzle that they have to work through on their own with zero help. They're gonna get frustrated in the moment. They might give up, but they're learning to cope with that frustration and doing it anyway. The intrinsic reward will come from that. The intrinsic reward will be so much stronger once they are able to figure it out on their own versus somebody helping them, right? And so we got to make sure we got their buy-in to be able to stick with that puzzle. The intrinsic reward will come once they're done it, but initially we need to have that external reinforcement. So by creating these opportunities, we're helping them rewire their brain. We're helping them create new response pathways to replace their old freaking out emotional overreactions. You've heard me say it before, talking is not enough to change the brain. Doing makes stronger. 
right? We were making stronger pathways, stronger memories, stronger automatic reactions. Doing, that's what gives us experience to draw from. And kids are learning firsthand that I can manage the situation and I can manage my emotions. Those big feelings, they have to show up. It's not about getting rid of emotions. It's emotion regulation, tolerating those emotions. So we need to have those emotions show up for sure for any learning to happen and to rewire the brain. So we're putting them those, putting them in those very situations that make them angry or frustrated or disappointed or sad or scared. And by doing things like that, we're actually going to see progress. We're actually going to see the changes in their brain through their ability to manage their emotions and their behaviors. And the more experience they get and the more practice they get, the quicker progress we're going to see in their emotion regulation and anxiety management and whatever we're working on. So when we're working on this, we're building their independence, right? So for this week, look for opportunities for kids to do things on their own, to think through things, to problem solve, make their own decisions, make their own mistakes all on their own. What are you doing that they can do for themselves? Let them figure out their own playdate arrangement. Let them make their own friends. Make, let them make their own lunch. Let them make dinner. Let them figure out their own sibling conflict. Let them try something. Go pick up a hammer, right? So looking for those opportunities. Now we are going to be heading back into school. So I'm going to be shifting back towards school success and incorporating other skills kiddos need to be working on. I could probably do just the emotion regulation stuff for like a whole year or more, but hopefully that gives you some ideas. Building awareness is always really important. And now what can we do to create new changes? And, and we need to have those opportunities. Opportunities is what builds resilience and emotion regulation. But, you know, for now, I focused a lot in the summer, just building up that strong environmental foundation, establishing that so that we can have kids build their emotion regulation. So that's remaining, making sure we're staying cool. And now this one added piece of the environment is stress inoculation so that they can go and practice these skills. So I'll leave it there for today. Have a fantastic week. I look forward to jumping back into things next week um, as I start getting into the back to school series. So definitely join me for that. I'll be talking about uh, school avoidance and separation anxiety and all of those kinds of things. Join me on Patreon where you get extra resources from me and um, my anxiety training program as always that I always talk about. Enjoy the rest of your day. Go help kiddos be bold and courageous and I will talk to you next week.